Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. From the cyber hub bunker in studio. You're listening to the CISO Talk Podcast. No sales, no bullshit, just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Welcome, folks, to another episode of Veteran November here on the CISO Talk Podcast. So excited because I have something, someone very, very special joining me on the podcast today, and I can't wait for you guys to meet her. But before we get started and introduce my special guest today, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, do so right now. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you turn on the bell for notifications every single day. Yeah, right here below. like Right there, right there, right there. There it is. There it is. It's right there. Um, <laughs> and subscribe, please. Your subscriptions do help. Brittany, Homer time. I said it correct. You got it. Thank you very much. Director of InfoSec over at Cardinal Health. Welcome to the CISO Talk podcast. How are you? I'm great. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on the show. So one, it's great to have more um, em- women empowered uh, coming on who are veterans. I think that's really important. I have a daughter. Like I always wanted to role model herself after strong women, and so it's it's great <laughs> that I'm able to create that content. Jasmine, I know you're listening, so you know, pay attention. Join the military. Do something with your life. It's good. No pressure. No pressure at all. None. <laughs> Zero. Zero. But if you go to the Air Force, I'll be disappointed. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So, um, Brittany, part of our, for, for those that are first time listeners, Veteran November is essentially a month long um, podcast in the month of November because we have Veterans Day um, that highlights veterans and InfoSec. And, and this is my first year doing this. I hope that more people join me and this becomes kind of a, uh, our own little month, right? Like we don't need a presidential decree or <laughs> the U.S. Chamber of Commerce to make it Veterans Month, but we can to ourselves highlighting how important veterans are and what a key role they play in our not only our economy but also in a, in a lot of different aspects of life. And so, Brittany, tell us a little bit about your background. What branch of the military did you serve for? How long were you in for? And a little bit about what you did. 
So um, I joined the Army um, kind of on a whim, which is what I do. But um, I started out in an officer role, um, and my job was a 25 Alpha. So those that are not in the Army, that is a Signal Corps officer, where essentially you're in charge of IT. So I did that for 10 years within the military, primarily just focused on IT functions. But as interest in security grew and security kind of became a thing, um, that's when I started to move into more of a security space. Yeah, that's interesting because you and I were talking beforehand and you didn't really join the military after high school. You kind of went to college and then you joined the service. What was that all about? Because I, I, f- I feel like that's really interesting and you're leaving it out. Like, <laughs> that's like the best part. Yeah. So um, so I, I definitely took a different route. Um, I had very high hopes of when I'm going to go to college and I'm going to do all these things and double majoring and, and a few different things. Um, and my freshman year, they always tell you, you go in and you gain the freshman 10. Well, I did that, but I'm an overachiever. So I got the freshman 30. And during that time, (laughs) I decided, well, I'm just going to take these classes. Um, And I was up in the morning and exercising, trying to work off that freshman 30. And I see the ROTC people um, in the rec center working out. And I'm like, you know what? Next semester, I'm going to take ROTC because why not? And then I'm going to have workout buddies. I'm going to be accountable because I have to show up for class. Um, So I did that. And it turned into something that I really enjoyed. So I had a very, very awkward conversation with my mother after that about how I'm not going to go to my Microsoft internship. And instead, I'm dropping all of my double, well, I had double majors at the time. And I'm going to focus on my minor and go into the military. Um, (laughs) But luckily, I have a very understanding mother and supportive. um, And that's the route I went. And I'm very thankful I did. So what was it like to go into the military kind of post your first year of college, right? Because that, that's a different experience, right? A lot of people I've spoken with either, mm-hmm. you know, enlisted right after high school. Some of them were, were dropouts. Many of them graduated and enlisted immediately and, and went into basic. You were a little bit more mature. You've done a little bit of college. So what was it like? you know, your, your first week, you know, going to, you know, going through, you know, hell week in the army. Mm -hmm. You know, throughout the RTC process, they really try to groom you into this, this leadership type of role. There's a lot of leadership training that goes into the army um, that a lot of people don't have access to. So once I left college, I went into my advanced training where essentially we do a deep dive in technology, um, how the army systems are kind of set up and really understanding what my role is as a senior advisor and leader um, in the technology space. I will tell you my first assignment after that advanced camp, um, it was very interesting. My mother asked me the same question. I feel like we're talking a lot about my mom right now. And, and that's okay. We, <laughs> we love moms. We love mom on the Sissa Talk podcast. Mom, if you're listening, we love you. Thank you for everything that you do for us. Because without our moms, we'd be, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she asked me what it was like. My first assignment, I've been assigned my first platoons. Um, 
what's that like? And I said, well, it's kind of like going off and you're the babysitter for a bunch of people that have just cut strings with mom and dad. And a lot of people are going, oh, my God, right now, did she really say that? Um, <laughs> but in full context, um, so my team were 25 Limas, and I think they would be very excited to tell you that they are probably the most rowdy group of the Signal Corps. Um, they are adventurous. They are they were required for hanging cables off of rooftops and going through ditches and really kind of the backbone of our network. And I will tell you that rowdy label, um, they did not disappoint. So, and where I was at, I was in Korea. Um, and at the time the drinking age was 18. So it was, you're out of the house, you've cut strings with mom and dad and you're going off post and you're it was drinking. a fun time. It was a fun time. And so <laughs> I had to regulate law in those situations. So there was a lot of learning for me to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I Alcohol in Korea just sounds very dangerous because for people, was, who, it's, it's high proof alcohol in Asia. Like they don't have none of like Mike's hard lemonade or the no. cider crap that we do here or flavored beer. You know, a lot of people had their soju experiences. Um, you're sitting down, you're drinking, you're having a great time and you go to stand up and you sit right back down. Yeah, you all of a sudden don't don't feel yourself. I, I've I've had that a few times when I was in Korea or Japan. Japan with whiskey, Japanese whiskey, is crazy oh. good because it's <laughs> like the good whiskey. It's smooth. It's like drinking water, right? You're sitting there like, hey, this stuff's great. I'll take another, another. Bring the whole bottle, and then you get up and you're like, I gotta use the restroom, and you can't. <laughs> no, you're done. You're just. I'm sitting like this. I just okay. I, I need to get up, but I can't get up. So how do I get up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, Korea and Japan are very uh, different cultures, but the drinking culture in Asia is high alcohol proof. And you sit in very low, like you sit very close to the floor. And I, like, I get why they do that. Right. So when you <laughs> fall, it's not as bad of a hit. But That's right. But man, like try to get up from that. Like you sit low, like it's it's crazy to get up out of that. You're very conscious about how much you drink the next time. Yeah, you're always watching. You're like, it's so delicious. It's so it delicious. is though. <laughs> it's so delicious. So you were in the service, you said for 10 years, right? 10 years, correct. And then what did you do after? What was the, What was kind of the next move for you? So the next move for me, I transitioned to AMC Theaters where I started running their security program. Um, so essentially, I kind of held the CISO role there, built out their security program and oversaw all the security operations to include a lot of um, the regulatory requirements that I would partner with our legal counsel on. AMC Theaters. I love AMC. I know. I love the movies. Yeah, there's no movies right now. I'm sorry. Folks. No, no. One day we'll be back. I got to tell you, it's a really funny world because my uh, brother-in-law uh, works for Regal. Um, and he works for the owner of Regal. So it's actually really funny because Regal got bought out by an Israeli company. And, <laughs> and it's, 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 it's hilarious because movie theaters are like a thing 
and Mm -hmm. now they're not a thing anymore it used to be like a cheap date now i don't know what a cheap date is is it ordering in chinese i feel like that's your only option or you could go sit in the backyard and also order chinese yeah but the popcorn the popcorn never tastes the same like no matter how much you try to replicate movie theater popcorn <laughs> like movie theaters all they should have done has been like hey we can't show you to the movie but come pick up a thing of popcorn and go home you know that's what my dad did when i was younger we would he would pick us up after school we would drive to the movie theater we would have to sit in the car while he went inside got popcorn and came back out <laughs> i just want popcorn popcorn that that that's it that's all i want i want movie theater popcorn and that's it i don't want anything else so talk a little bit about your transition so you went directly from military back to civilian what was that like you know starting at amc and kind of that transition period what were some of your difficulties and after leaving you know um it's different and i think military bring a much different perspective kind of going into this job. You hear a lot about um, CISO burnout and then just being in the sock and burning out a lot where I think what is a little bit different that we can kind of bring to the table is literally at the end of the day, when we go home, no one is dying. That's the biggest thing and put it into perspective of, yes, we've got all these alerts and they're, damaging to the business. Um, but literally no one is dying. And so keeping that perspective in mind as you're going in is great. Um, because one of the difficulties you will have is sometimes there is this feeling or this pressure from the business that you have to be right all the time. Um, and you hear that, you know, the bad guy only needs to be right once and the defender has to be right all the time. Um, and you feel that and you will see where CISOs or information security professionals are let off for their job because they missed that one time. And you will get pushback on that of we need to make sure we get this. We need to make sure we get that. And at the end of the day, being able to articulate and quantify what is important to the business Um and what you can prioritize your team on, I think gives a different perspective. Um, Because a lot of times you see these suck personnel that just burn out and burn out and burn out and burn out. There's a lot of burnout in security, right? I mean, that's just, you know, that that's just very common simply because the job, you know, of an analyst is very mundane, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like being a, um, being a, being the nurse that does all the blood tests at the hospital, right? You're constantly like sticking needles in people and you've got some people that are like, do it. And other people that are like, oh my God, oh my God, I don't like needles. And they've got the needle phobia and, and they have their own way of trying to deal with their phobias. And, and th- th- there's difficulty to that for sure. My, you know, you kind of look at your first role when you leave the military, right? And it's always the most challenging one. What were some of the growing pains that you had to kind of, that that you kind of took into the role with you that you kind of were like, okay, I'm not in the military anymore. I work for AMC theaters and I get to watch movies for free. And I get, <laughs> right. Did you get this down on popcorn? We did. It was wonderful. 
<laughs> Meaning you got reasonably priced popcorn. That's right. Um, you know, honestly, for me, there was the event of burnout. There was, I had, I really had to reorient, like reorient the way that I thought about things. Right. So in the military, you have a schedule. You wake up, you go to PT, you get dressed, you come back, um, and you kind of just follow this routine every day. And in security, you're not that, right? You're generally responsive to whatever is coming across your table that day. For me, um, as a manager role, I was also responsible for doing a lot of quantitative analysis and budgeting that, let's be honest, if you're in the military, you've heard the phrase, um, if you don't use it, you lose it, talking right. about money. Um, the business doesn't want to take that function, right? It's like save money, save money, save money. And we all know security is expensive. So being able to quantify a lot of that was was difficult coming into that. So it was really kind of reorientating myself about like, how do I talk about this? And how do I hold myself accountable? And how do I justify what I'm doing is is a purpose like has a purpose for this business because in the military you're given a job you do it regardless you don't have to justify what you're doing is important or not not important um the military knows that whether you're an infantryman or a signalier or a, log a logistician that's important and they all have a function um in the security world how much they invest in you and how much they don't invest in you can be very, very relative to how much you show your worth. Um, so it was, it was difficult to kind of flip that lens and have to justify what we're doing. Yeah. Cause you went right into a management role at AMC, right? You didn't, I did. you, you didn't go in through the lower ranks. So you went right in kind of having to deal with the executive level of the organization Mm -hmm. And really managing people, building a team and so forth. And so, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about you learn a lot of leadership in the military, how much of that was critical and instrumental. And you actually starting at an executive level position right out of the military. You know, that was huge. Um, and it was surprising to me, honestly, I didn't realize how much leadership training, organization, um, those types of skills that the military taught me at the time. I had no idea. Uh, whenever I transitioned into the civilian role where I was required to set up processes, um, when I knew how to, you know, and this kind of even goes back to how you're giving your, you know, when you do your evaluations um, for your soldiers, you know, every year, you had done that. Like you had done that previously. And so now you're in this civilian job and you've had all this experience before. You understand because you've dealt with so many people from so many different backgrounds. You understand how a team comes together, how they work together, um, how you can kind of direct and guide people to, to achieve that mission like you did in the army. Um, you really kind of knew how all of that worked. And a lot of... Um, my peers did not have that. A lot of times I'd get questions about, well, how are you, how are you tracking this? Or how are you monitoring that? Or 
Um, what are you doing in your meetings? Um, you know, and it was a lot of the things that I had learned throughout my army career. You know, I, I, I love the fact that your story and, and by the way, doing this veteran November, I'm gonna go on a little rant here. I've learned so much about the awesome brothers and sisters I served with, but I love your story because it's different because, um, what's different about your story. And I'll tell you this, um, you went directly from the service to an executive type leadership role, which is very difficult for a lot of people. You know, the, the toughest part of the transition is getting a civilian job, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people fall into the defense industrial complex and they end up with one of the contractors and so forth. So talk a little bit about how you landed a job at AMC. What did you do? What were the steps that you took to really get that executive role? You know, here's where I think a little pre-planning on the military side will help you leagues down the road. So when you're in the military, we had random opportunities for training came up, whether it was to get like a certification or um, go out and work with this. I mean, we, we called them civilians at the time, but this defense contractor to understand this piece of equipment, um, to go over here with this group and learn some cross training. Any of those opportunities that happen to come up, take them. Anytime that you can use your GI Bill or basically get a a loan to do some of these college trainings, um, do them, like do them if you have the opportunity. Um, If you know what you would like to get into once you get out, take advantage of those. Um, I know for me personally, when I was in there, I got many certifications um, to include my CSSP, to include my PMP. And then I also, once I said, hey, I've been doing this IT thing, but security sounds kind of fun. I went back to school while I was in the military and ended up getting my master's in cybersecurity. And so I started this process while I was in the military. And the best part about that is it's paid for. Um, You know, that's something that we take for granted once we get out and you realize, especially in the security world, all of the trainings and how expensive they are and all the certifications and how expensive they are when you can get them for free in the military. So that's kind of the the pre-prep that I did. And then once I was ready and I was like, okay, I'm ready to, to get out and start looking at other opportunities. I started, I, w- I will tell you probably the best thing I did is I wrote up my resume and then I went to my local, they have a place that basically helps veterans get jobs. They look over resumes and help them write resumes. Um, And you can, there's usually some services through the VA as well and have them look at it and translate them into civilian speech. Because a lot of the titles of what we do um, in the military, we were called communications. Like that's what we did. We did communications. You get into the outside world and say you do communications, they're going to think you're in marketing. Um, Or they're going to think you're in corporate communications, internal communications, external communications, um, which is not what I did at all. So I would say probably one of the smartest things I did was talk to the VA or talk to whoever is your your local group that you can get to 
to have them look over your resume and turn it into civilian speech and then float it, float it all over the place. Um, if you're looking to get into security, start going to all the security meetups that you can go to. Um, you will be surprised how you get your job. And it's probably because you've met someone at one of those organizations. And so that's kind of what I did. I drove, what, an uh, hour and a half every month to go to meetups. I would drive an hour and a half, go to the meetups that I needed to go to, drive an hour and a half back. Um, but I made a lot of connections. Um, and you'd be surprised just who knows who. Security is a small world. Yeah. Uh, so you bring in a very valuable part here, which is invest in making those connections beyond all the other tools, right? One of the things we're doing right now is we're um, all of us are kind of working on the idea of writing a better job description for mm -hmm. an entry level cyber role. And the other big project is creating a veteran kind of place where people who are veterans or people who are still in active duty looking to transition out can have a resources for us to help them with their CVs um, so they can network and meet with with people like you and I and, and the many other great people that have been on this on this veteran November series to really talk about and really help open doors for them so that when they ready to go, they can hit the ground running because mm -hmm. that's the most difficult part is that mission, right? If when you're discharged, if you say, well, I'll start looking like after I get my DD-214 and I walk away, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm worried about you. I, I'm seriously worried because you got to start, like you said, pre-plan, do all the things, network, and know what you're going to do for three, six months. Even if it's just doing an apprenticeship or an internship somewhere, just to kind of see, do I really want this? Do I really want to go through? Because, yeah, the GI Bill is great. Um, but a lot of companies will pay for your certs. Like yep. A lot of companies will pay you to go do the certs. So you don't have to rush and do certs. And cyber, you know, you, you have, you went right into the managerial role. So you kind of had all of cyber. What part of cyber do you enjoy the most? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, I, I think the incident response is the most fun, but I also like OSINT. Um, I like digging and playing and learning about things, but I also like, I like high, um, I, what's the word I'm looking for? You like adrenaline. I do. I like the, I like the adrenaline that comes in. Yeah, of the I mean, incident response in Austin, that's pure <laughs> adrenaline, right? That's like, that's, you're, you're chasing, you're literally in a Hollywood, like it's, 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 the one part of cyber that's not mundane and boring, right? It's kind the one of. part of cyber that, well, the processes are the same, but the results are always different. Yes. And so like, right? to your point, like when you're going out there and you're meeting these people, um, security is so wide, right? There's all these aspects of it, whether you're in IR or threat intelligence or OSINT or vulnerability management or AppSec. I mean, they're just, it's wide. Um, being able to answer that question when someone interviews you, like, what part of security do you like? Um, I mean, that's that's a great thing to have in your back pocket. And you learn that by talking to people and interacting with people. I can tell you that I will hire those new entries 
for their passion. Um, when they tell me that they're out and they're involved in these things, whether they're blogging online, whether they're, you know, chatting up with people on discord or whatever, and they're building their servers to do X, Y, and Z. I like to see that passion um, because let's face it, security is changing every single day. And I think that's kind of what we like about it, right? There's always something new. There's always a new challenge out there. So to see someone that's just passionate about learning and taking on these challenges, that's kind of what I'm looking yeah. for. There's very few industries that change at the pace of cybersecurity. Very, very few. And I think the only industry that resembles it is healthcare. This is this is true. And I would say trading stocks. That's probably one too. Yeah, but trading <laughs> stocks, I mean, I get it. Trading <laughs> stocks, yeah. But, but you know, the, at the, the, here's the thing. The right analytical mind knows how to trade because you got to be able to take emotion out of your trading. Right? This is like, true. Like you've got to be able to be like, I'm, I'm not emotionally attached to my stock. I'm going to sell now and I'll regroup and I'll come back. But I will tell you that mindset right there is one that you also have to train into your new analyst, right? Because everything that you get is like fire. The world is taking over. It's like, wait, let's stop. Let's think about this and let's start to map out what, what is true and what is the reaction. Um, Am I responding with passion or am I responding with my analysis? Yeah, I, I like that. I think I'm, I'm constantly the kind of person who responds. I don't want to say with um, with um, passion. I used to, like when we're all young, we all rush into the fire. We're all <laughs> firemen, right? We're like, I'm running in. And, I'm now, and now we're just like, hold on, slow down. <laughs> Right, like calm down, hold your horses, everyone. We're not running into any burning buildings yet. Let's first of all understand what's going on before that. How did we get so old? By the way, there's you know what's funny is I was watching and this is so off topic, but it plays right into that mindset. I was watching uh twenty two mile or mile twenty two on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's with Mark Wahlberg. And it's essentially what we just spoke about. So it's a it's 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 one of those like movies that's kind of you know something that doesn't really exist in the US military like a hit squad you know that's out there that has all these superpowers like drones that hover <laughs> over and 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 everything that monitors stuff but for, for people should really watch that movie because it's essentially that um the lesson I took out away from that movie was they kept rushing into stuff they didn't understand when they were being planted a trap, meaning they weren't being objective. Mm -hmm. And I won't give away the ending of the movie, but just keep that in mind when you're watching it. Um, is it's 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 very very fascinating um, when when watching that because a lot of times in security we tend to rush in. And that's where you make the most mistakes. Sometimes you have to stop, strategize, understand. Yeah, you know, everyone hates shutting down networks, but sometimes shutting down a network and kind of understanding what's going on before is, is critical to being able to recover successfully. Mm, now you've got me intrigued. You'll have to watch it. It's good. <laughs> it's, so you have to ignore all the, all, all the Hollywood stuff that's added to it. 
it's a Peter Berg movie, and I don't know if you know who Peter Berg is as a director, mm-hmm. but Peter Berg is a, is, a, is a great director, um, but he's sometimes over the top. <laughs> this is one of those, like some of the stuff in there is extreme. Like, like once you watch the movie, you'll be like, yeah, that would never happen. Like, <laughs> like no, that would never happen. You know, like as an example, like no one would ever infiltrate a U.S. embassy in a hostile territory dressed up as a nurse. Like, no, that doesn't work. Like, have you ever tried to go to one of our embassies abroad? Like, you got to make an appointment, show up with your passport, have your blood test, be able to recite the Pledge of Allegiance, say the national anthem, name the last 40 presidents and the last 20 secretary of states to get in. And also, do you have a copy of your passport? Because at this point, you've already lost your passport. Yeah. And I love how people never have copies of their passports, by the way. <laughs> That's always like, no, but I've got my driver's license from California. And they're like, that doesn't work, man. <laughs> that doesn't work. Those are easy. All right. We're almost out of time. So, Brittany, one final question. The question of the interview. What's one thing you miss about your military service? Um. The military has provided me a lot of opportunities that I'm very thankful for. Um, but the one thing that that I miss most is the people. They are what makes the service. Um, being able to build those relationships, to understand each other, um, to be able to be there for one another and kind of share that common ground of all the bad times and the good times and being able to go back and laugh at those things. That's, that's the one thing that I think that really makes the military, the military. Speaking of that, November 30th, 6 PM Eastern standard time, bring your favorite spicy beverage or your caffeinated beverage or your non-caffeinated, but seltzery beverage. I've had people tell me like they don't drink caffeine and they don't drink alcohol. And I'm like, so what do you drink? Please don't bring water. Like, at least bring, like <laughs> flavored water, right? Like, like bring the lemonade. Yeah. Or like a soda stream, like get a soda stream machine. Right. Uh, but, 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 but it's okay. If you toast my, my wife drinks zero alcohol, it's really funny. She'll, we'll go to a restaurant. She'll be like, don't you want to have a glass of wine? I'm like, people are going to think I have an alcohol problem. I'm going to sit here and drink wine, and you're just going to sit there looking at me drinking your water and Coke Zero. Like, does not work. Like, drinking requires two people. That's right. <laughs> drinking alone is only for people that are traveling in a hotel lobby, right? Like, hotel bar, you sit at the bar, you order a drink, you get a burger, you eat it, you watch sports, you talk to the bartender, you go to your room, you fall asleep, you do repeat as long as you're traveling. That's the only time you're allowed to drink alone. I will tell you, there are those occasions where the night with a book and a glass of wine, I will live for. See, I do bourbon. I do bourbon. I've got a couch right here. Like literally like right here. I've got my couch. That's where I do my reading. I've got my, 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 my Jewish Talmud and like all my, all my, good Jewish stuff right next to it. Cause I read that every morning before I start my day. And then I've got all my books behind me. And then I just grab one of my books and I sit and I read and, 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 you know, in the morning it's with an espresso and in the evening it's with a bourbon or a whiskey or a scotch. That's, that's the life. Fair enough. It is. It is. But folks, 
Brittany, thank you so much for coming on. Folks, I, I, I'll tell you a little secret, but Brittany's going to come back on and we're going to do a full podcast on cyber. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be like, I can't wait to pick her brain because <laughs> what you just saw is like nothing where we're really going to dig on cyber um, and have a very uh, fruitful conversation that, that will benefit you even beyond. I don't know if anything can benefit beyond the wisdom you just shared, but we'll try. It's going to be very hard. You know, you know I, I, hope, I, I hope we do like, what's a good movie with sequels? Like Die Hard, right? Like Die Hard 1, 2, 3, they're all great, right? Like I hope we don't hang over this one, right? Like Hangover 1 was awesome. Hangover 2 was like, eh, same joke, different city. Yeah, no, we can do better. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll start making notes right now. Make Right, that's great. And we'll open the CISSP book behind you and we'll be like, okay, let's compare CISSP books. You know, I can pull that out and show you all the highlights. It's, it's. I feel like people can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, highlights and note-taking. Highlights <laughs> and note-taking, folks. <laughs> oh, good times. All right, folks. Uh, Brittany, uh, Hang on, I got I got to remember your last name, Brittany. Homer time, Homer time, Homer time, Homer time. I'm sorry. Hang in, there. Hang in there. You know, you would think. You know, my wife has a very similar last name, and you would think I'd know it, but I don't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I got I'll tell you a really funny story, and we'll end. I was in Israel over the summer with my wife, and I met my wife. She was my boss, and she fired me. And that's a story for a whole other podcast. That's how I met my wife. She was my boss. We had worked together. She fired me and then we ended up starting a business. And now, you know, almost 10 and a half years later, we were married and we're business, but she's the best thing that's ever happened to me um, outside of my daughter. Sorry, Jasmine. Outside of my daughter, she's the best thing happened to me. You know, I don't want my daughter to go, dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. But we were um, at this market in Tel Aviv over the summer and we sat down and we ordered dinner and then she um went to one of these uh open market stores that has like all the spices and all, and all kinds of stuff you've mm-hmm. seen it if you've ever been in a mediterranean yes. bazaar and this dude walks up and he goes hey corinne james and my wife looks at him and she goes oh wonderful um and she goes she knows who he is and i'm looking at the guy and i'm like who is he like zero recollection of who the guy is apparently i used to work with him a decade ago <laughs> and I'm like, I can relate to that. I, I get it. Yeah. Zero memory, man. Zero memory. <laughs> like I'm done. Like my long-term memory from 10 years ago is reserved to only very important aspects of my life. And and, and I'm saving that hard disk space for family and, and, and really important memories. Yeah. If it's not on the calendar, it never happened. Amen to that. No, no, never mind. No, don't, don't, don't. If it's not on the calendar, it may have happened. Bad stuff happens when it's not on the calendar. Just no. <laughs> never claim it if it's on the calendar. If it's not never, on the never. Yeah. Unofficial meetings are still meetings. Just because they're unofficial doesn't make them like not real. <laughs> All right, folks. Brittany, thank you so much for tuning in. Folks, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I'll announce the Brittany date here shortly. Over the next few weeks, we'll be able to hopefully launch another awesome cyber episode uh, for Veteran November. Thank you so much to all of our veterans. Brittany, thank you for your service, and thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. And a, and a special shout-out to Diane uh, for helping put all, put this all together. And Lori, because without Lori, none of this would have been possible. So, Absolutely. 
Thank you so much. Shout out to some amazing women. That's it for us here, folks. That's it. We're over time, but I don't really care. It's it's Veteran November. By the way, folks, I've recorded way too many episodes for 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 this. Like, I have more episodes than days in this month. So here's <laughs> what I'm doing. On Thanksgiving, you're going to get a double drop. I know. Some pl- some places you celebrate Thanksgiving. Other parts of the country, apparently Thanksgiving is not allowed to be celebrated. So I'll give you a double dose of podcast on Thursday, Friday, and I'll probably release one on a Saturday, even though, you know, it's the Sabbath and I shouldn't. Um, and then remember November 30th, 6 p.m., we're all getting together a toast. Um, links already on my LinkedIn page. I'll be on our website later today. Um, it's also on our website and in your inboxes, folks. So uh, make sure you join us. If you're a veteran, we do vet you if you're a veteran because it's for veterans only. I'm sorry, non-vets, but um, everyone misses the people and the brotherhood. That's been the common theme of my last question. And so we're bringing it back on a Zoom across the entire nation. And um, joining me will be Brittany. I hope, Brittany, you said you'll be with us, right? You can, yes, you can make absolutely. it. Excellent. Brian Lozato, who's the CISO over at HBO Max. So we get to understand and know what, what cool HBO things are coming up. So we know whether to keep renewing our subscription or just you know, <laughs> <laughs> go to Netflix. Chris Cochran, my friend over at Hacker Valley Studio and one of the uh, great podcasters uh, will also be joining um, and so many more people, guys. So make sure you do sign up. Um, uh, Patrick Benoit from CBRE. I can't keep like I'm naming all these people and I'm like... I'm like I've had to upgrade my uh, my Zoom license like twice oh, already. Goodness. It's great. I love it. I'm like Zoom, you're you're gonna make some money from me this <laughs> month. That that's about it. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Brittany. Take care, folks. We'll be right back uh, with another Veteran November episode tomorrow. Until then, stay cyber safe. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.